Most of you were here last week, and you know I was not feeling very well. And certainly didn't do justice to the text that we were looking at. <laughs> but I don't know about you, the, you know, the older I get, the, the more my short-term memory is taking a hiatus uh, and all of that. But anyway, we started with the trumpets. Uh, this is, we're into the, you know, we studied this, uh, the seven seals. Now we're into the, the vision of the seven trumpets. And at the point we're at now, uh, four of those trumpets have been sounded. And I, there's just some things I want to say that I meant to say last week that are very important. Remember, we talked about trumpets, how in the Bible they played specific roles. They were used to call together the people of Israel when it was time to set out and, uh, and, and as a warning call for a you know, call to arms uh, and that sort of thing. And I'm not sure that I mentioned this, but this is a very important one, and that is this is, is trumpets were used to pronounce the entrance of God at particular and special times in Scripture. If you think about Mount Sinai, when God descended on Mount Sinai, when Israel was gathered there, preceded by a trumpet blast. And we know this, that, uh, that even though people speculate and, and, and we were hoping and we're praying and we're thinking this, that, and the other about the second coming of Christ, we know this, that we will not know for certain, any of us, when that time is, until what? Until we hear the trumpet blast. And Jesus enters in to this world again. Another thing that we were talking about last week is you see these different catastrophes fall upon certain aspects of the, the creation. Every one of those in some way affects people. So you need to understand that, that it's all rooted at people even though you're seeing these things manifested in the sun and the moon and other things, too. It all comes down to how do these things affect people. That the focus of all of this is people here on earth. For many, many years, even church people believed that this, the earth was the center of everything. That the sun rotated around the earth and etc. We know now that is not true. But, and we also know this, we know that man is penetrating further, further into deeper space. Mostly using tel uh, telescopes. And we're learning more and more about this cosmos. And the more and more we learn, the more complicated things get to be. And, 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 and the further we look, the bigger it gets. And it's a measure, uh, really, of the awesomeness of our God. That even creation itself, to the extent of, uh, of its boundaries, is beyond our comprehension. Another point I wanted to make was this. Is even in these texts, you find the grace, the grace and the mercy of God in plenty. Because we're told that a third of this was affected, and a third of that was affected, and a third of the other thing was affected. That leaves two-thirds unaffected. So even in the midst 
of these judgments that are very clearly coming from God, there's also the mercy of God and the grace of God that are obvious. We ended with verse 13, and I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven or between the earth and the heavens, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Four trumpets have sounded, three more to come. He's described as being a woe. Things have gotten bad. Things are about to get even worse. The fifth angel sounded, and, saw, uh, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the, uh, the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke came forth locusts upon the earth, and power was given to them, as the scorpions of the earth have power, and they were told that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days men will seek death and will not find it, and they will long to die, and death flees from them. And the appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle on their heads. And on their heads, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. And they had hair like the hair of women, and their teeth were like teeth of lions. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots and of many horses rushing to battle. And they have tails like scorpions and stings, and in their tails is a power to hurt men for five months. They have a king over them. The angel of the abyss, the name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, the name ha- uh, he has the name Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these. If we get that far, we'll be doing very well. Uh, okay, so the fifth trumpet sounds. There are lots of things in Revelation that we can't really have a, a whole lot of confidence in reaching conclusions about, but there are some things that we can have a great deal of confidence. This star that is spoken of here that falls from the heaven, there is really no doubt that this is not a star that is to be, be, to be taken literally. Okay. In other words, it's not this massive star that falls from the sky into the earth. How do we know that? We know because of a number of things. First of all, I want to read to you this morning from uh, the Gospel of Isaiah. Chapter 14, verses 12 through 20. What I'm saying here, guys, is this. is We believe there's very good reason for us to conclude. I think this is probably one of the things we can know almost matter-of-factly from the book of Revelation, this is speaking about the fall of the evil one from heaven. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, sun of the dawn, you have been cut down to the earth, and you, will, you have weakened the, the nations 
But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. Now I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend by the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, I will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you, and they will ponder over you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? Jesus makes reference to this himself when he sent out the 70. He sent out the the apostles first. They came back. Then he sent out 70 other people. And when they came back, this is what he said. He said that... uh, that he was watching as star, the star fell from heaven. There's a sense in which this high angel, and we need to understand that he evidently was one of the highest angels in the heavenly places, one of great position and one of great power, who determined he was going to take the throne of God for himself. And he was cast down. As a result of it. He's called in scripture by many, many different names. Satan sometimes, the devil at others, the tempter, the adversary, the serpent, the dragon, the deceiver, accuser, evil one, prince of the power of the air. And here we have Abaddon and Polyon uh, later on, which simply mean the destroyer, the one who destroys. To this one is given the key of the bottomless pit, or what's called the abyss. We can't even imagine a a true abyss, and that would be just this, this massive hole that has no bottom to it. That's basically what it is pictured as being. Notice it has a key. And notice here that the key is given to this fallen one. He doesn't take it. He doesn't steal it. God grants it to him for a time. And it turns out if we were to read further on in Revelation all the way to uh, chapter 20, we would find this, that there will come a time when he himself will be cast into the bottomless pit and locked in for a thousand years. It's called the Millennial Kingdom. Now, some people have already asked me about the Millennium, uh, you know, over these weeks. We're nowhere nowhere close to the Millennium yet, but we are going to cover all of that once we get to Revelation chapter 20. And then he will be loose for a time after, uh, after that. Now, as far as the bottomless pit, we know it is hell. Jesus called it hell. The Greeks knew it as Hades, or the underworld. Uh, We know it's the place of where evil spirits dwell. We know it's, it's, and I want to say to you this morning, it's not their home, it's their prison. It's then when they're released into the world that they believe that they're at home. 
Now, why do we say that? I say that because remember Jesus when he went to the Gerasenes and there was the demoniac who came to him and the, and the, and the, the, the demons within this person began to speak and they claimed the name of a legion because there were so many of them. What did they do? They begged Jesus to allow them to go into the swine and not to throw them into the abyss. It's not a place that they want to be. But it's a place that they will eventually be eternally. According to God's will. But I just bring to you your attention this morning that God gives him the key. It's not that he takes it or anything like that. God gives it to him. So we need to understand that all of this is according to God's perfect will and purpose. It's according to his plan. He's the one that's in control. Satan is not controlling him in any way, shape, or form. Sometimes he uses the evil one to accomplish his perfect will and purpose. And that's hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around. But sometimes God does that. He is a created being. Did it surprise God when he, when he raised himself up and rebelled against him? No. God knows all things. He not only knows the heart of every person, he knows the heart of every angel. There's nothing outside his knowledge that exists, period, in the spiritual realm or the physical realm. Nothing. There are no secrets from him. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He, he took the key and he opened the bottomless pit. And when he did, smoke went out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. Lori and I were somewhere the other day, eating lunch, brunch, dinner, whatever it was. And we noticed this young lady who was sitting outside. And she had this weird contraption that was sitting on the table. And, you know, I'd heard of e-cigarettes, electronic cigarettes. But it it wasn't that. It was this thing. It had a little tank on it. And she picked the whole thing up and, and, and whatever. But the, the most amazing thing about it was this, is you would not have believed the amount of smoke that came out of her when she breathed out. It was just, it was, it, there's no end to it. I mean, it was just, it was absolutely amazing to see this take place because it was just billowing out of her mouth like there was no end to it. Just this thick, heavy smoke. And I want you to picture this. It's is what's going on here. The door to hell is opened up. And where there's fire, there's also smoke. We've all heard that before, right? That have this picture of this thick, nasty, blackened smoke just billowing up out of here so much that it clouds the air, it pollutes the air to the point that it's almost as if the sunlight's going to be snuffed out by it. Now, I want you to take that picture, and I want you to contrast it with another thing that we have talked about or studied just recently, and that is this. So remember the incense? The incense, which is 
the prayers uh, of, of the saints that rises up to God. You see the contrast between the two things. On one hand, you have this, this, this beautiful, wonderful, amazing aroma that brings pleasure and delight to God. On the other hand, you have this thick, suffocating smoke that is a stench, an unbelievable stench in the nostrils of God. A huge contrast taking place here. And out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth. Locusts are grasshoppers now. What are locusts noted for? For eating every green thing. Familiar with Joel. Joel chapter 2 is almost a parallel passage to the one that we're looking at now. Where a swarm of locusts are, are, are or, 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 or the advancing army, the Assyrians, coming to Israel to devastate Israel is likened to a swarm of locusts. And it says this, that before them, it's like the Garden of Eden and behind a desolate wilderness. You and I are not really familiar with locusts. I don't imagine. We may have seen one or two in our lifetime and, and all of that. But there are places in the world where there's still issues. And we know that people in the ancient Near East knew something about this because locust invasions seem to be very regular. And, and we know that what they do is they attack every living, every green thing. They eat everything. And because that is true, that there's always famine that comes on the back end of it because now there's nothing for the animals to eat, there's nothing for people to eat, uh, etc. So we know it has far-reaching effects upon things. Now, are these real locusts? No, because when we read on, you're going to find out, as they're described, maybe they have some aspects like locusts, but there are all kinds of aspects that are very different than locusts. One of the things is this, is, is, is unlike locusts, these locusts don't eat greenery. They bypass all the green grass, and they bypass the trees, and they bypass this, that, and the other. They don't have the nature of a locust. So, what is all of this? Well, this is an area where we need to be cautious. Because uh, this, is, this is one of those things, if you've, you've heard of a guy named Hal Lindsey, probably, maybe some of you have, not such a big deal today, but at one time he was like the, you know, recognized by some people as being like, you know, the great, Christian apologist as far as revelation goes. He had it all figured out. And 
wrote this book called The Late Great Planet Earth. Uh, And in that book, he identified these locusts as helicopters. And at one point he even alluded to the idea that uh, the reason that Jesus hadn't come back yet is because this had to happen first and technology had not advanced among men to the point that we could invent things like helicopters. Sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? And let me tell you, you, if you look very far, you don't have to look very far to find people who are willing to give definitive answers to things that are very mysterious. And that's a very good example because there were a whole lot of people who followed Hal Lindsey for a long time. False teaching. False as it can be false. And anybody that knows the word of God at all should be able to smell it, see it, plain as the nose on your face. Made him a ton of money. He also, by the way, was in Jerusalem on two th- when the millennium came in at 2000 because he was convinced that Jesus was coming back then. Needless to say, he was wrong about that. Let's just say he is 99.999% probably wrong about helicopters, too. So what is it? Well, I'm of the opinion that it's a horde of evil spirits. Where are they coming from? They're coming from the pit. They're coming from the the abyss. Evil spirits unleashed on people here on earth. Now we know this. If you know anything about the ministry of Jesus, you know that Jesus ministered very often to people who had evil spirits. Right? Right? Matter of fact, the very first miracle in the gospel according to Mark is, is Jesus casting a demon out of a man. Now there's reason to believe, possibly, that demon activity actually heightened at the coming of Christ. In other words, there was a lot more of it than normal. But you need to understand it's been around, it's in the Bible. And you need to, we need to remember this, that even God sends forth the evil spirits. Think about King Saul. Good example of what we're talking about here. So it's like this invading army of evil spirits released from the abyss by the evil one after God gave him the key to do it. (coughs) 
Verse 4, they were told that they should not hurt the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree. In other words, they don't do at all what locusts do. That's what locusts do. These creatures don't do that at all. They go right by all the greenery. But only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now, we've talked about that a number of times over the last couple of weeks. That when you're your, you are God's, and he puts a seal upon you. And that seal does a lot of things, but one of those is protects you from these sorts of things. Remember the, the, the number of people that are sealed there in that heavenly scene before was such a large, large number that no one can count them. Well, in saying this, they're told that the only ones that they can torment are the ones who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. So do believers have to worry about being possessed by evil demons and things? I would say no. We have God's seal. They're not permitted to kill anyone but they are permitted to torment them for five months. And what does the five months mean? Just a definite period of time. That's what I would say. I don't want to nail us down to exactly five literal months. We know that Revelation is full of all kinds of signs and symbols, and it's probably one of those signs and symbols that we're not going to figure out without God telling us specifically what it means. But for a fixed period of time, Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. Now, some of you have had scorpion stings before. Lori's had a couple. We lived in our old house. We used to have scorpions every now and then. And the ones in Florida are little teeny tiny things. They don't get very big. And I would imagine that the sting is probably maybe a little bit more severe than a bee sting or a wasp sting or something like that. But when people get stung by scorpions here, you don't have to worry about the possibility of dying. And we know this. We know that scorpions, this is what they're noted for. They're noted for having those stingers. They also have claws. And they use the claws to grasp their prey so they can sting them with their tail. There are 25 species of scorpions in this world that have venom that is capable of killing people. So the scorpions that you and I deal with maybe on a semi-regular, rare basis are nothing compared to the scorpions that some people in this world have to deal with probably a lot more regularly. They actually threaten their life. These scorpions don't kill anyone, but the pain that they create is unbearable. They people long to die. They want death. They see death as the only release from the horrendous, unbelievable, massive amount of pain that they're in.
but death flees them. Verse 7, and the appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle, and on their heads, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. In the ancient world, armies that had cavalry had a decided advantage over other armies. That was one of the things that, the, about Alexander the Great. Is he really emphasized the use and the advantages of having cavalry. And, and we know that he was able to conquer a good bit of the ancient Near and Middle East as a result of it. When we think about horses, we think about the old gray mares ain't what she used to be kind of thing. What we're talking about here are battle-proven horses. They're bred for battle. They are trained for battle. Trained not to panic in the midst of heated battle. They are war machines to give their rider a decided advantage over others. They have on their heads crowns. Now, when we think of crowns, we think maybe about the fact that the 12 or the 24 elders had crowns. We think maybe about the fact that the lamb had a crown. And we know that crowns represent royalty, authority, power, the one who rules, Etc., etc., etc. Now, how do we, what do we make of this that these things have crowns on their head? Well, I see, I would say they are false. They're false crowns. Everything about these creatures is false. What authority they have, they have because God's granted it to them for no other reason. Faces like the faces of men. What happens to the spirits of unbelievers when they die? They go to hell. That's not me talking. That's Jesus talking. And it surprises us that these things have faces like people. I mean, this falls right in line with what we've been saying here, evil spirits. Some of those are evil spirits of people. They have hair like the hair of women and their teeth like the teeth of lions. And it goes on and they have these breastplates of iron. Now they have wings. I guess locusts do have wings. The sound of the wings was like the sound of chariots and many horses rushing to battle, that scene of battle again. We need to understand that what is going on here is a battle. Battle between good and bad. A battle between the forces of evil and 
the forces of good. And for a time, it's going to seem as though evil is having its way. But only for a time. We know that victory is coming. And it's not their victory. I mean, we don't even have to read the rest of Revelation, understand at least part of the story or the rest of it, right? That is that Christ, who's the victorious one? Are these the victorious? No. Christ is the victorious one. Is the evil one the victorious one? No. The destroyer himself, in essence, is he ultimately destroyed. Cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. We are going to do the Lord's Supper this morning. It is all about victory. It's all about Christ's victory. That the battle has been raging now for a long time. As we sit here this morning, we may not have a whole lot of sense of it, but there's a battle raging in the heavenly places all around us. I'm talking about in the heavenly realm. That other realm that exists that you and I are not cognizant of. It's there. It's real. It's the realm of angels and the realm of the throne room of God. It's also the realm of evil spirits and things like that. But we know that there is a victory, and that victory is sure. How do we know it? Because of this. Because the Son of God came into the world to bind the strong man. He has done that already. He is doing that more. And in the end, he will destroy this. He will cast the destroyer into the lake of fire for all of eternity. That's what separates you and I from that lake of fire. Because it's not just the evil one who's thrown in there. It's all the evil spirits, all the unbelievers. To be tormented, not just for five months, but for eternity. We were talking this morning in Sunday school that Jesus saved us from that. He saved us from it. That's what we have do us. That's what we deserve. Let's get off of this being good people. Every one of us has done plenty enough to be cast into hell for all of eternity and be tormented for all of eternity. Jesus says that. It's true of all of us. So he saved us from that. He's also saved us for something. To be those who witness the fullness and the greatness of his glory. To be there amongst that multitude who give perpetual worship and praise 
in honor and glory to the one that it is due. To the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb and to the Holy Spirit. It's a reminder. Like I said before, I can't forget. I forgot. What did I forget the other day? I forgot something the other day. But I'm forgetting stuff I should. I, I, I mean, it's one thing to forget where you put your keys or put your wallet or something like that. But I more and more am forgetting things that are important. I need to be reminded. I don't know about you. Of all kinds of things. I need to be reminded every day. Of the very basic tenets of the gospel. And I think probably all of you are too. God is very wise. He gives us things that help us remember. And that's what this is all about. Is remembering what Christ has done. And understanding that he will be faithful in accomplishing all he has said he will do. So take just a minute and prepare yourself and the praise team is going to come and